to the Irish Bear Show. It is great to be back, and it's actually dangerous. We can say this for the first time in a long time. It's actually a Chicago Bears game. I am joined by two of my co-hosts, Anthony and Corey, and also we have Caitlin Sparky back with us today. Caitlin, how are you getting on today? Good, good. I'm happy to be back. Happy to be with you guys. I love chatting bears with you all. Yeah, absolutely. We have already a, a lot of comments are kind of pushing in, but look, we have we have a lot to talk about today because one of the main, I guess, storylines that keeps popping up, the offensive line, obviously the quarterback situation. It's There's a lot of things going on, and everybody, just to remind you, we are live over on YouTube, so make sure you do go over there and check it out. Make sure you hit the notification bell so you don't miss any of these because there's going to be a lot of shows coming up over the next couple of weeks. But I guess there's really only one place to start and not so much with the offensive line, but I do want to actually start with the quarterback situation because I think the offensive line, all the troubles there, some people actually stopped looking at, I guess, Dalton and Fields. And Caitlin, what I wanted to kind of get your opinion on is we get kind of the the wow throws every single day from Justin Fields, but then we also hear from a lot of, beat reporters that Andy Dalton's still looking good as well and that he's looking like the pro that we've expected how do did you expect this is the way it was going to kind of turn out in training camp we're seeing like I guess the more national guys when they come in they're saying oh Justin Fields looks really really good but then when you look at all the beat reporters they're saying yeah but Andy Dalton's looking good as well and I think that just comes with the territory of having this shiny new toy, I guess you could say, in Justin Fields, because there is a lot of excitement about it. It's easier to highlight, you know, a big Justin Fields pass, a big Justin Fields moment, his ability, his agility, and all of those things. Andy Dalton is doing what he's, quote unquote, supposed to do. So there's no surprises, which is also a good thing, because they also need some consistency, and they need that veteran leadership in his mind, the way he's picking things up. Yes, he's not the flashy quarterback that everybody wanted, but the fact that he's doing the right things and getting chemistry with the offensive weapons and building kind of this consistency, I think one of their issues last year was just this quarterback battle. And I think that's why they didn't have the consistency. They were switching quarterbacks every other series. That's not the case this year. So both of them understand their roles. They're understanding what they can learn. And the more that you have Andy Dalton doing what he's expected to do, that's a good thing. But I also understand everyone's like all high on Justin Fields, but also understanding that he's still learning and his command and his confidence is only going to continue to grow. We're only a couple weeks in. So right now everyone should be pretty happy with what we've seen. Yeah, it's an interesting one. And, and Anthony, I wanted to kind of get your opinion on this because we've always been where – we expected kind of steady growth or we hope to get steady growth from Justin Fields. And it's week two now, we haven't played a preseason game and you're starting to see, I guess, the difference. Because early on, people were saying, take it easy now. Like it's it's still early in training camp. He's still kind of learning some of the minutiae of the offense. But now it seems every single day that we kind of hear the updates from training camp. It's very, very positive and that Justin Fields is most days now is having very positive days and not as much as up and down as we had in week one. Are you surprised by how kind of quickly that has happened? Because I, I think when we were talking earlier, we were saying probably by the end of training camp, you'll see the Justin Fields that we probably would expect 
when we first drafted him. Yeah, it, it's it's difficult not to get the smile off your face to sit there and, and have a conversation about a quarterback who I think will be here for the next 15, 20 years. And also for not, me not to remember that he's got a four-year contract, so we don't necessarily need to rush it as well. Five-year if we include what we could franchise tag him. But it's brilliant to see that he seems to be right on the ball. It's what we predicted when he was drafted, that he was pissed off. That he was angry, that he was, that he was a dedicated person, and it put it it shines a light on all the people who were so negative on him before the draft. Um, for him to fall to eleven again is just a disgrace. It really is, and he's showing it already in training camp. Yeah, I know it's only two weeks in. I appreciate all that, but it just it just flies in the face of that. Um, what I'm what I'm really interested in is this is with the O line problems that we have, and he's still performing like he is and that's the bit that's standing out kind of high to me on it is that he has this kind of innate ability to seem to be able to to maneuver through all those things but what you said at the start here is really interesting as well is Dalton also seems to be stepping up to the mark and, and you can't underestimate the benefit of Andy Dalton maybe forget the player for a second but benefit of Andy Dalton in the room um we had our rant about Nick Falls last week but Andy Dalton in the room it was epic, Caitlin. You should have seen it. it was epic. Corey, <laughs> uh, I can only imagine. Um, and the the literally the, the way Andy Dalton's in the room, having him there and having an ability to listen to him, I think has, has brought Dal- uh, brought uh, Justin Fields on. I said it around five weeks ago that I think Justin Fields. We'll all look back at this in, in five or six years and not realise how beneficial Andy Dalton was. And I think Andy Dalton has already shown the benefit, even in these couple of weeks. Yeah, one of the things that I've brought up and I've brought up multiple times and it's just kind of analyzing these kind of rookie quarterbacks. And I think we spoke about it last time that you're on the show, Caitlin, is which one would have the best situation kind of going forward. And I think a lot of people have said that with, uh, I guess, at the Jets where they don't have that veteran leadership for a rookie quarterback in terms of Zach Wilson, that it's going to affect him. And we've kind of seen that early on because a lot of the reports that keep coming out is that he's having very up and down days where there's, you're seeing fans freaking out, which again, it's, it's still way too early to be doing that. There's no games that have been played, but it's, it's one of those that I feel like, like Anthony, you said that Andy Dalton has been a good, even if it's a mentor, we don't know how long it's going to be because it could end up happening that over the course of training camp, Justin Fields just keeps getting better and better and it becomes harder for the coaching staff not to start him. And Corey, we, we, we've mentioned this a, a couple of times as well. What do you expect? Let's, let's say Justin Fields does play the way we expect in those preseason games. How difficult do you think that's going to make it for this coaching staff not to play him early on in the season? Well, Sorry, I didn't know if you were throwing that over to Caitlin or me. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, you, Corey. Yeah, um, I think I think it's they're making it difficult, but that's a good thing, right? We're we're seeing everything that they wanted out of Andy Dalton, and they're, we're also seeing everything and more that they wanted out of Justin Fields too. So, you know, I think it takes a special kind of player like Dalton to. come come in not knowing knowing full well he's not the future of the team saying i'm going to do my absolute best i'm not i'm also going to teach this rookie how to be his absolute best so i think for the coaching staff to have these two pretty decent quarterbacks 
you know, it's it's going to be a difficult situation if Justin is is completely balling out during the preseason. But I said it on the show before, and I stand behind it. If we don't have our online situation figured out, I think the easy decision is to start Dalton. He's not mm-hmm. imploding. He's not showing that he's he's a complete bust in training camp. He's reading the coverages. He's making the plays. I, I really think that until we have, especially our rock sol- solid left tackle, that Dalton is the easy start. Yeah, I, I completely agree that that seems the likelihood because even just reading some of the things about the joint practices today was about, I guess, the two D lines were manhandling the two O lines <laughs> today. And it, look, it's, it's no surprise when you look at who's actually there for the Bears O-line, but it is worrying as you get closer to these preseason games. I know the coaching staff seems to be kind of very nonchalant about it and they're not too worried, but as a Bears fan, it's hard not to worry when you do have this prized asset and your rookie quarterback in Justin Fields that everybody's so excited for that you really need that O-line to be quite stable when he comes in because you want to give him the best chance to succeed and doing it behind an O-line like we saw last year with the Cincinnati Bengals that is ravaged by injuries and just isn't very good. That's It's a big problem that the Bears kind of have. The one thing I wanted to mention, and I've always looked for kind of little things that happen in training camp that kind of give you indications that Fields is kind of legit and the guy. And Caitlin, the one thing I, I kind of noticed from what people have been saying over the last 12 practices is we're hearing a lot of these kind of unknown or not so like not so popular wide receivers making a lot of plays and it's the one thing that we've I think we've always said about the Bears is they've never had a quarterback that makes someone else better and it's always been the wide receiver that has to make the quarterback better (laughs) I think this is the first time we're actually seeing that play out where we're we're hearing of guys that have come from other places where they may have been undrafted rookies or they've kind of been going around the league being on practice squads and have been making plays i know the one that people are talking about now is john vea johnson who kind of came in with i think it was the same day that justin hardy came in and it nobody expected much and now people are talking about him as possibly like fighting for one of those last wide receiver spots so how i guess intriguing has it been for you to kind of cover the team and see that we finally may have a quarterback that might actually make the rest of the offense better just from kind of his play. Yeah. And I think it speaks, I think the biggest part, it's obviously important to have a quarterback, like you said, to make those receivers perform well, but also I think it just means the bears are already in a place right now with this team and this offense that it seems like it's more seamless. They're not kind of going back and forth between quarter. I mean, at the end of the day, I keep going back to this, but it's it's hard to gain like a, a chemistry or a connection when you're flipping quarterbacks every other, especially for young receivers, especially for rookie receivers, especially for guy, like fringe players who are not sure what their situation is. If you get a rep and all of a sudden you're going with this quarterback, you're not going with the best, you're not seeing the best version of themselves all the time. So now that they have two quarterbacks that can do this, I think it just speaks volumes to where they're at right now as an offense. Obviously that offensive line is a big issue. And I think a lot of people, they're hesitant now because I think at the beginning of camp, it was like, let's see fields run, let's go out there. But now that we're hearing about these offensive line issues, it's understanding more of, 
if he can if he can run, yes, I'm sure he can run. I'm sure he can extend plays. But is he at that place mentally just yet? And I think he's maybe not there just yet. He's just getting command of the huddle. But as far as these receivers that are on the fringe, the fact that they can figure out the offense, that's a good sign because I think that's the, what they missed last season, the rhythm, the consistency. They never looked like they were on the same page as far as quarterbacks and receivers. And that just is sometimes the product of no offseason, no preseason games, and a quarterback competition. You can't build that chemistry or connection when guys are going back and forth. So I think that's the way and why it's wise for them to approach it this way and not do, okay, who's going to be the best? If it shakes out that Fields takes over some point, sure. But the flip-flopping that they did last year, I just feel like teed them up for disaster. Yeah, I completely agree. And it- it's very reminiscent of what we're seeing right now in Denver, I think, where you're seeing like one day Teddy Bridgewater is better. And then the, the next day you're seeing is Drew Locke. And it, it every time I, cause when you, I follow a couple of Broncos fans and it's, it's the same thing that we saw last year with Foles and Trubisky in training camp that one day, one guy looks a little bit better one day, the other ones. But when you look at it as a whole, it's just two kind of average to mediocre quarterbacks. And look, like I said, like we said earlier in the show, we're not going to get into Nick Falls because we went there the last, the last time, but it was, it was funny. But um, one thing that I did want to bring up while you're here is obviously a lot of the stories around kind of the offensive line, but the main one is, I guess, a lot of people's opinion about Tevin Jenkins. So I've seen over the last couple of days, people trying to compare him to the likes of Kevin White and all them kind of high draft picks that didn't work out. And I feel, personally, and I don't know if you agree, I feel it's a little bit unfair because, yes, he may have had mm-hmm. a minor back injury, but it's not like he had a broken bone in his back. And mm-hmm. I've always I've always said this, and I don't know if there's any credence to it. We'll find out probably this year. But with that extra game in the regular season, if anybody has any kind of small injury, we already know most guys finish the year and the majority of them are injured anyway because of the, especially offensive and defensive linemen. So having that extra game even, even if it means that sitting him out of practices, if they feel like he can be ready when it comes to game day, that you can just plug him in and start him. Okay, maybe they might decide depending on who's available to put him at left or right tackle. But do you think that the fact that there is going to be more wear and tear in these guys' bodies means they're actually being more cautious than they normally would with Tevin? I don't know if that, if they're thinking that long-term at this point, I think they maybe knew about his issue. Um, May, now and like when I was hearing about all of this I'm going back in my head I'm like oh my gosh that's why he fell where he did in the draft and that this all starts playing in your head like okay okay maybe this was more serious than expected obviously at this point it's the like language and it's the comments or lack thereof that concern me a little bit because it's always like we just want to do you know we're just trying to figure out what's best and it's not a timeline even with Tariq I feel like Matt Nagy was more okay, it's this, it's that, it's, there's, there sounds like that's trending in the right direction. does not sound like that with Tevin. That's concerning. And it's also concerning because if they want him to play left tackle, that's a position. I mean, arguably one of the most important, he needs to be at practices. He needs to kind of, he's not like he's a vet that's played 10 years and knows how to play left tackle like the back of his hand. He obviously does. He knows how to do it in college, but this is a totally different ball game. So I think, 
I don't think they're thinking long-term right now. I think they're thinking this it's maybe a little bit worse than they expected because I just don't see why you would hold your rookie out at this point when they need to be on the field and they need the reps and they need to figure out how their quarterbacks work behind them because that's something that he doesn't know. It's not like it's a veteran offensive tackle that's like, oh, I know how Andy is or I know how Justin, like I can figure it out. I can kind of move around. He doesn't know any of this. So I think it's a little concerning that we he's now missed 12 practices. Yeah, it's a very interesting one. And I, I guess the one thing that I keep coming back to is the fact that the Bears don't seem like they're very pushed to go and try and bring in another tackle, considering the amount of injuries that they do have. Because I know everybody's will be talking about, I know I think it's Ricky Wagner that's out there, Russell Lacoon, but there's been no even chatter amongst like the Bears even bringing them in for a visit to see how their health is. And you would you would have expected over the past couple of days they would have done that, especially when you had kind of two guys out with like a concussion. You had a, a guy that was on the COVID list. And then obviously you have Tevin that's been out for so long. It's, it's very strange that they've gone about it in that way when – like you said, it's it's a rookie guy that you're bringing in at left tackle that had that didn't play there in college that you were kind of transitioning over. You cut Charles Leno, which a lot of people have been talking about today as well because they're saying on how he never missed a game. But again, I think for me, when I look back at it, the strategy of trying to improve was probably correct, but you've just been unlucky in the fact that three or four of your offensive tackles have gone down early in camp. Personally, I think the only good part of it is that we are still pretty early and hopefully that he can get back. But like like you said, I think the most worrying sign is that we still have no clarity on how close he is to actually returning. Like we all know that Jermaine Fetty is probably not going to get back until very close to week one because he's been put on the PP list and that's a more, I guess, serious injury than what they're portraying for Tevin Jenkins. Mm-hmm. But is it a little bit strange that in the NFL now, where we have the likes of Adam Schefter, Ian Rappaport, that always break all these news, that we can't actually get an accurate kind of timeline or storyline to what's actually wrong with Tevin? Yeah, he's just on, he's always just riding the bike at practice. And I'm like, because when he was drafted, though, also, it, it it wasn't like there was like these background stories of, oh, well, be careful, be careful. There was no like warnings of Tevin Jenkins. And he certainly came in and sounded like he was excited and ready to go. And then it just kind of was like, where, what happened? Especially like you said, if it's not a serious injury, enough of an injury to be like on the PUP list, like what, yeah. what is going on? So it's just, it's very confusing. I hope he's watching and soaking up as much as he can right now. Um, from a learning standpoint, but I don't know. I, I, I hope, I hope it's nothing really bad. Yeah. Can maybe, you, maybe what he was doing, hold, hold on one sec, Anthony. Uh, maybe what he was doing was, uh, looking up too much at all the skyscrapers in Chicago and like pulling his back <laughs> muscle his or neck. something like that. <laughs> yeah. Anthony, go ahead. That could, that could go on. That could actually move on to my question. Okay. In all seriousness, I was mentioning this in the last show over here in Europe, we have a big issue on strength and conditioning and strength and conditioning coaches have a big say in, in a lot of teams, especially in rugby and, and soccer over here. And they would be considered some of the highest paid people involved in the organization because they're so important. 
in Chicago, is there any conversation around with the new strength and conditioning coach that Chicago got in? Is there any con- conversation around the fact that, as Kieran rightly said, the likes of um, Schefter and, and Rappaport, et cetera, haven't got anything on Tevin Jenkins? Is there a conversation about the strength and conditioning coach and what they didn't do when it comes to Tevin Jenkins? And therefore, that's why we don't know what's going on. Is that at all being mentioned in Chicago media land? I haven't heard that part of it, but it is interesting when you think about strength and conditioning coaches and a staff and ramp up periods. And I think a lot of times you're wondering like, man, the injury list is so long. What's going on? Why are there a lot of hamstring, groin, um, back injuries? Those are things that those aren't just freak accidents. Those just don't happen on a play. Sometimes they do, but not always. That to me, in my mind, I'm like, okay, did they ramp them up properly? What happened in the conditioning portion of this? And Obviously, I don't know because I'm not an expert, but I think it's going to be interesting to watch what kind of injuries are happening with the team. You hope it's not because of the way that they're doing some things, but it's certainly, I mean, when a guy like Alan Robinson is out with a hamstring injury today, you go, okay, well, they're playing it cool because it's, you know, the first preseason game of the season coming ahead. Or is there something with why are there continuous hamstring injuries and groin injuries? I would say if they're returning to the field, it's not something that you really have to go look at the strength and conditioning program and be like, what is going on there? If they're not coming back after these injuries or they're out for an extended period of time, that I feel like would be more cause for concern. But I don't know what the secret is right now with Tevin. I'm very, I'm very intrigued. Yeah, that's that's a very interesting point, Anthony, that you do bring up and the fact that the last time I remember this happening was probably one of the last years that Alshon Jeffrey was with the Bears where we got a lot of players that were getting those kind of soft tissue injuries and it is a concern and I guess my worry is even across the NFL we're actually seeing a lot of injuries in in camp this year especially some of the even promising rookies and I often wonder is with obviously the kind of the collectively bargained agreements and stuff between players association, the NFL with less practices and less kind of intense practices, I guess, are we going to just see more of this happening? Because again, you, you, you talk to a lot of players and when you're not actually doing what you would normally do in a game, you're actually making yourself susceptible to something like this happening because if you're not strengthening those muscles when you should, when you should be doing it and then, actually moving your body in the same way and you're not going as hard there is a cause for concern you you do tend to see that in all sports in kind of preseason when guys are taking it a little bit easier that you tend to see some of these kind of niggling injuries come up and we're seeing it across the nfl right now so like it, it, uh, look i i just i just think that this could be a worry i don't know about you anthony because look i know we we've spoken about this off air in terms of rugby and how important it is over here do you think that this is going to become i guess an issue league-wide or do you think or what can the bears actually do on this is it just they need to try and revamp whatever their training program is or really try and come to i guess the source of what's causing these injuries or is it just going to be something that's just going to continue to happen you just have to monitor it by having good depth amongst you along your team um, I think I think the, the the thing that worries me and the reason why I'm questioning strength and conditioning side of things is the fact that Nagy came out at the very start and said Tevin Jenkins is is 
He's pointing up and hopefully he'll be back tomorrow. And he's pointing up and he's pointing up. And then here we are, what, 12 practices later, and we're now talking, as Caitlin said, we have no idea is the answer. Is the honest answer. We haven't a clue. And your guess is good as ours. And then we had the same sort of idea with Tariq. And now suddenly Tariq is pointing up and I'm questioning going, well, okay, hold on. ACL injuries based on my experience in Europe of what they are with, with rugby players and, and soccer players, that's a nine month injury. We're heading towards 10 to 11. As Corey said the last show, I think it was, we're heading towards 10 to 11 months now. And he's still not back on the field. And people are saying, oh, he's limping or whatever. And it's those little things. Throw in A-Rob today with his, with his hamstring. Throw in other like I think Daniels also has a muscle injury that, that seems to be very quiet as to when he's coming back. And suddenly you have all these ones adding up. And look, I, I know I probably stole Corey's thunder a little bit because I know you spoke about this as well, Corey, on the last show. But it's, it's just something that is really sticking in the back of my head about the worry I have, especially considering we got a brand new strength and conditioning coach in the summer. Yeah, Corey, I want to bring you in on that because you did kind of speak a little bit about that on the show at the weekend. Is how worrying do you do you find this? Because you look at some of the teams that we have on our schedule this year, and you really need to try and be going into the season as healthy as possible. And we're just seeing kind of more and more bodies just be added to the injury list. <laughs> like, think about it as what one of the practices last week they had nine offensive linemen when they started with fifteen. And we saw probably a list in terms of injuries that was almost longer than the amount of players that were actually practicing. So it's, what do you think that this is kind of, what do the Bears need to try and do, I guess, for the remainder of camp? Because you can't be going into that Rams game with significant injuries. It's week one. That's really where you should be the healthiest. Yeah, well, I think that, you know, we have one of the hardest schedules in the NFL. So we need to be at the top of our game every single game going in. And I mentioned this in the last show that maybe it's a blessing that all of these are happening during training camp and preseason so that we can, you know, get with our strength and conditioning coaches and say, hey, you know, what the hell is going on? You know, what are the techniques you're using? What are, you know, can we do something else? Um, you know, a lot of these soft tissue injuries to me say we didn't warm up properly. You know, how can we make sure that the players are doing what they're supposed to be doing before games at practices? And then also, you know, Matt Nagy came out before the first training camp and said, you know, it was on me last year that we didn't have these, these high speed practices right out the gate. So, you know, not to say that this is a result of that, but he came out full force saying, that's on me. We're going to go high speed at practice so that when we get to Sunday, we're we're completely in, in conditioned, you know? So what is that fine line of, you know, you want your players playing at top speeds during practice, but also you want to preserve them for, for game day and especially for the kind of schedule that we have with the added stress of every other week going away and home, you know, there's, there's a lot of moving parts here. I, I don't think it's necessarily only strength and conditioning, but I do, I do think that, you know, maybe it's, it's good that they're all happening right now so that we can kind of take a look and say, what can we do differently going forward? Yeah. It's definitely yeah, a tricky would, one. I, yeah. Go ahead. Caitlin. I was just going to say my hope too, is because I'm thinking about like what Matt Nagy's talked about as far as the preseason games and how aggressive he wants to be, not with playing all starters, but I'm saying he, he's taking a more aggressive approach. At least that's what he's told us at this point. 
So now you're thinking, okay, this is the injury situation right now. So now they're going to play in the preseason and they're going to have to put some players out on the field. And like, as much as fans don't like to see it and they, you know, he's going to have to play some guys. (laughs) So then you just hope that the injury situation doesn't kind of snowball now that they are. Cause I mean, if these things are happening in practice, you just hope that this doesn't become an issue because we have three preseason games to get through before we're even talking about week one. Yeah, that's that's the crazy thing because you, you may end up having to see that that third preseason game may actually be important because usually it's when it's these guys that aren't really going to make the roster, but with all the injury concerns that the Bears have right now, you'll probably see more than you would expect in that game that will actually mm-hmm. still be on this roster come week one. Look, Caitlin, ju- just to kind of finish off with you because I know I know you you've definitely have to run because you've loads of different commitments today but in terms of if you if you look at training camp as a whole so far what's been your biggest takeaway from whether it's updates or kind of guys that you've heard from or anything that you've seen yourself I love the energy that the defense has there's been a lot of attention a lot of talk rightfully so of the offense we all understand why right and that's great um but the defense I feel like the praise and the excitement that the players have had talking about their new defensive coordinator and Sean Desai has been really exciting to see and hear from them. Um, just even hearing from Tashawn Gibson and, you know, the number of the different guys that are understanding, like they're getting these intercept Alec Ogletree is an interception machine, whether or not he makes the roster, it's a great story. But to me, those kind of storylines mean that they're in the right place at the right time. And they're in a position for takeaways. And they've emphasized that this offseason already, they want to do it this season. So I think the energy surrounding the defense, we know the defense is good. We know the, the, the weapons that they have on defense. But the fact that they're coming in with this confidence already and this energy already, they're all excited about Sean Desai. And they said he's a football mind that is going to kind of take them to the next level. Um, so I think that's been the fun part to watch because obviously all the, the, the excitement and hype is around the offense and I understand that, but this defense, and especially it's going to be a big test for the secondary this season. So I'm excited to see what they can bring with the takeaway bucket and all that energy and swag. And they're always chirping at each other. And I, I love that. I love that. Yeah. uh, We, we kind of mentioned it briefly on the, on the show on Saturday that, it's just great to see the defense have a bit of swagger back because it's something that I feel like was missing the last two seasons that was more, they're more passive. They're more kind of mm-hmm. laid back and not kind of the Bears defense that we expected to see. The one that we saw under Vic Fangio where you heard chirping all the time at training camp, like no matter how bad the offense was, the defense made them know how bad they were, they were playing because of, all the plays they were making. Look, Caitlin, it's been great having you on again. Second time, third time, we're going to have to get you some hat or something or a mug or something <laughs> for. But yeah, do, do you want to tell them, um, do you want to tell people where they can kind of find some of your stuff? Because I know you have a lot of stuff going out right now because you're, you're covering many different sports in Chicago right now. Yeah, we are we are busy here in Chicago, but it's a good busy. But I'm on Fox 32. The game, the preseason games in Chicago are going to be on uh, Fox 32. So we'll do a pregame and then postgame and all of that's fun stuff. And then I'll be at every – I'm traveling this year for Bears as well. So um, it's exciting to be their TV partner. But as far as social media, um, I'm at Sharkey on all the platforms. So And I appreciate you guys having me on. Always a fun chat with you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Look, we'll we'll definitely have to have you on again. It's it's always good to have you on. 
look, guys, make sure that you do follow Caitlin because a lot of her stuff coming out is going to be really worthwhile, especially if you're a Bears fan, if you're a White Sox fan, any of that. Make sure that you yeah. can go and check her out. <laughs> so th- thanks so much for joining Kay- us today, Caitlin. Caitlin, just before you go, just before you go, I'm disappointed that no one sent in the Packers suck. <laughs> I'm disappointed. I have to tell I'm dis- you, I know. I'm disappointed. I'm looking for it. I'm disappointed. Yeah, I, I can. I I will just say as I leave that I am happy that I did not have to deal with any quarterback drama north of Chicago. So I'll just I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> I'm past time, that. Yeah. Hey, Thanks so much have for your time, Caitlin. Yeah, we're good. Yeah. Right, have a good one. Thank you. All right. And and then they come in. With and then they come in. They're too late. It's it's, too it's late. a bit it's a bit too late, guys. But look, we will be we'll still be on for go another kind of 20, 25 minutes. So do get your comments in. Um, one thing that I wanted to actually bring up is something that Caitlin mentioned at the end there, Corey. And it comes to the defense because it's one of the things that we've kind of spoken about kind of extensively. That it's like we all talk about the offense, but really the strength of this team is still in the defense and they're kind of going under the radar. And then you hear all these Dolphins reporters saying that the defense were bullying the offensive line for the Miami Dolphins and getting to Tua all the time today. So it's very positive signs that we're getting, not only from Sean Desai from the little clip that we got from the Bears, but also kind of when you hear another team's reporters say how good they were. Oh, yeah. Well, and like you said, they're they're getting their their flavor back, their jive, their culture, their, you know, just everything that you want in a defense, the trash talking, the, you know, the telling the, you know, showing the offense how poor of a job they're doing. That's exactly what we want out of our defense and what we're kind of used to seeing out of our defense. And, you know, not to hate on Pagano, but, you know, he's an older guy. He, he, he just didn't bring that same level of excitement or passion to the defense that, you know, we got that like little three minute clip where Desai was mic'd up, which was, I mean, I had no idea how funny he was. He was absolutely hilarious. But on top of that, he's pissed when they don't get that, when they don't get a, a pick and, and then he's elated when they get, you know, and he takes out the, the takeaway bucket and it's, he is cultivating that kind of energy back into the defense and, and you can see it in their, in their interviews. And, you know, they had Eddie Jackson with his interview and he was just completely boasting about how he and Desire and the entire defense are making sure that they're not completely readable. And, you know, maybe, maybe he'll, you know, play over to the side and maybe he'll play more in the field and, you know, the next series will be something different. So you can tell that they're just, they're excited to play. They're excited to play with each other and they're excited to play for each other. And I think they've definitely got a little bit of that swagger back. I'm, I mean, I don't know. We've never had a top tier defense with a pretty good quarterback, you know? So to have that with the, you know, with the likelihood of a fantastic quarterback, you know, the next few years, as long, you know, knock on wood, the defense stays healthy. They're, they're aging a little bit, but um, it's, it's just brings more excitement on top of everything else that's going on. Yeah, absolutely. It's look, one of the questions I actually want to bring up here, Anthony, that Dave, mentions and because we talk about 
the def- the defense and really it's the front seven because there's still question marks about kind of the defensive backfield because again I think we can be pretty confident in t- maybe two of the corners we have injuries at the safety positions but when we really look at it we kind of bring it down to that kind of defensive line so Dave asked who in your opinion is the main man in the defensive line now uh, it's it's a tricky one because you can actually look at that D line and there's a lot of very very good players and I know a lot of people would say Akeem Hicks. Many people will say Eddie Goldman, but again, he's he's currently out. So, what would you say is your kind of main man on that D line? See, it depends what you mean by main man, right? Um, for me, it's all about getting your best player with the best opportunity to do what he can do, and that's Khalil Mack. So, Khalil Mack's our best player right now. That's my opinion. So what we need is we need Robert Quinn on the other side of the ball to make it make people want to have to go to that side of the ball to give Khalil Mack the one-on-ones or the one-on-ones plus a tight end. So Mack can do what he what he should be doing. And it was really encouraging today to hear Miami, Miami beat reporters talking about how the fact that Khalil Mack was the best player on the field and he was absolutely murdering people. And that's what we want to see. So what I mean by that is. I'd love to see a tape of that because what created that space for Mac to be able to do that? Was it Queen suddenly doing one time? If he's if he's if he's training, I don't know if he was or not. Or was it Akeem Hicks? Or was it a combination of everybody? Or was it Tonga? Like there, there's conversations people are saying about Tonga being this being this kind of force he's coming through. So I don't think Dave, it's it, one you can pick and say that one, that guy in particular. But the way I'd look at it is whatever gets Khalil Mack the best opportunities to rush the passer. Because the more pass, to his comment after in his interview after was really interesting and really positive, I think, for Chicago, was the fact that he spoke about them being in his face. Because that opens it up to Roquan Smith, that opens Eddie Jackson up, that opens up our, our secondary to go after the ball. Because now you can go ball hawk. I think Corey's point around about Pagano is that Pagano didn't seem to fit with Chicago because I don't think he understood what we wanted to do or what our players wanted to do. Sean Desai understands the players. He understands what they want to do. Now, he still has never played called on an NFL level, so that's fair as well. But I, I just, from the clip that was done, plus all those in, information that we're getting, whatever we can get Mac back to where he was in 2018, that that's the most important player. And if that's Goldman, if that's Hicks, if that's Quinn, whichever one it is, are you saying that like the interception machine isn't the best player on the defense right now in terms of Alec Ogletree? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that story, by the way. Did you hear that story? That story on how he got into the Bears, how he just turned up to watch the Olympic final of Robert Quinn's sister, and that's how he got it. He got a, That's an amazing story. If he makes the fifty-three off that, that is brilliant. Yeah, this is an interesting one from the Bear Down Report. So I'll give it to you, Corey, on this one. So what effect will sitting out of year have on Eddie Goldman? Well, that was the big question coming into this season, especially with him sitting out the OTAs. You know, that I, there was all this speculation. It, did he not stay in shape? Did he, you know, is he thinking about retirement? And it kind of brought a lot of unease around his coming back but I think he's proven I mean recent you know COVID list aside he's proven that he is here and he wants to play in one of his interviews they asked you know when did you know that you were going to come back this year and he said without hesitation 
the the last game of last year, basically. You know, I, I saw them getting into the playoffs and I wanted to be there. I wanted to be playing with my fellow players. And, you know, he said that throughout the entire last season and throughout the entire offseason, he was like, running to the grocery store. I don't know if it's the grocery store, but you know, he was keeping up with everything. He would just run here, run there, do his workouts. Um, you know, so I personally think that he is enough of a veteran that the year off probably, I hope only fueled his fire that he is just chomping at the bit to get out there and annihilate offenses. So I'm more in the position of, I can't wait to see him join that, that front seven again, because you hear, I think, was it Mac or, or Akeem Hicks that when they were like, Oh, what do you think about Eddie coming back? And they were like, well, I'm not going to be, you know, two team to get, or double manned again, because he's back. You know, when you have so much talent up front there, you, you aren't going to have situations where they're going to try to double team Khalil Mack, you know, so that gives you those opportunities to get sacks and to make stops. So I don't know. I don't think that I'm not too worried about his, his ability coming in from sitting out the last year. I'm just really excited. Yeah, me too. I think it was, I think it was Khalil that mentioned it or I believe it was anyway. They said when he's able to take two guys, you're basically taking like a thousand pounds away from basically the offense because that was that, it. Yeah. yeah, like but that's why it was so important. Like Bilal Nichols is a great defensive lineman, but while he can kind of be pushed over to nose tackle, he's not a nose tackle, and that's where we saw the effects of it. He's a phenomenal player, but. The thing is, and it's the reason why the Bears went out and drafted Kyrie's Tonga, because they knew that just in case, because obviously we've seen it already with Eddie Goldman, that there's the possibility that if he becomes a close contact, because they're, I think it's depending on how kind of susceptible you are or somebody else in your family, that you do have to isolate for a certain amount of days. We don't know if he's actually got COVID or if very similar to Christian Jones, who Christian Jones did not get COVID, but he was out for a long time because he was a close contact and he was more susceptible to be picking something up. So we don't know what it could be, but let's say this happened coming up to week one or week two, at least now you have a proper nose tackle that you can put in. And that's the one thing that I've always liked that the Bears do in the latter rounds is that they see where they need to try and improve the depth and they go for it. It's the one thing that they've done. And look, unfortunately, we've seen kind of earlier round picks that just haven't worked out. And if they did, you would have kind of a much better, I guess, overall team. But the one thing that I wanted to mention um, to you, Anthony, is when we actually talk about training camp, because a lot of the storylines are going to be the same. It's always to do with the O-line, Justin Fields. And I think we've spoken about these to kind of the nth degree. And there's only so much that you can say without saying well, look, we just have to wait and see because there's not much else we can do. But I want to bring this on the more positive side. The players that we are hearing about, a lot of these guys are draft picks from Ryan Pace. You can talk about any any year and the players that we're hearing, like you just have to look at the cornerbacks from last year. Jalen Johnson, people are saying, are, is looking good. And as we saw in kind of the first depth chart that they put out, the fact that Kendall Vildor was put as cornerback two is a big thing and I know it's the first depth chart and doesn't really mean that much and when it, when it came out this is what 
I said to you guys in the chat was it's big because he's not the veteran. And normally what happens is in that first depth chart, the veteran comes in. And it's look, especially what kind of Bear Down Report says here, lots of fifth rounders. Yeah, and there's two more coming for next year, which is which is really good. But like that it doesn't surprise me. Like you look at some of the guys last year, people talking about Travis Gibson has been quite good in camp fifth round pick. Darnell Mooney, fifth round pick, Kendall Vildor, fifth round pick. But these are the guys that we're hearing of. Like you think of it, Cole Komet, everybody's saying how brilliant he is, even I think they asked Andy Dalton about it. He's he said that he didn't really know much about him from last year, but that a lot of people are saying just how big a shift that he's had. So how positive is this for you, Anthony, when you look at this? And we even have to kind of look at the rookies from this year. Is even some of those later round picks people are talking about already. It's just personally I prefer it when it's like this rather than it's these free agent signings because they're cheaper for you and it allows you to kind of improve your team over the next couple of years if these guys are contributors and if they're starters on your team. It also feels better, doesn't it, that it comes through the to the draft. That when you when you get a guy come through the draft and gets into the team, be it the fifth, sixth, seventh round, it just feels better rather than going out and getting free agency signings. It just something that kind of sits with me. I think there's quite a few. I think it's brilliant. The funny thing I find whenever I talk about this and how positive stuff about the draft is, is the week before we had the draft, there was people that wanted to go up to Hallis Hall and get rid of pace, actually have him throw out the door and like see you later, good luck. But now if you look at this, look at the team and look what he's there, if we have a successful season this year, it's going to be built on his draft picks. It's going to be built on on people that he's created through. And I know even some people in the chat disagree with me, and that's that's completely fine. Everyone's everyone's entitled to their opinion. But I just think Ryan Pace and his and his kind of scouting network have done a really good job at seeing people and seeing spots that they need to fill. I think I think Herbert's going to be the one we're going to be talking about in twelve months time as being someone that fit that fixed a problem for us and and got us out of a little bit of a problem where we had to f- spend money on it. So we spent a lot of money on Patterson over two years and now we potentially have somebody who can replace him in, in some way, shape or form. And there's a few more to come behind that. I think everyone's talking about, even about Tonga, as I said earlier on, but there's just a, a few different people that, that give us that, that feeling towards it. And it's, it's really positive. It's really positive for a Chicago Bears fan to see us going and speaking in a positive way about our our kind of draft picks but not only on the defensive side of the ball but also now on the offensive side of the ball and it's uh yeah look there's so much so much to be positive about chicago bears fans this week and it's it's great that we can keep that going keep going with the positivity as we go towards week one yeah i completely agree it's there's some really good comments that have kind of come in since obviously some people thinking that fields will be a stud look like like skulk says here hopefully fields is the best first round pick i think you can definitely the one thing is you can if he's better than Roquan Smith because Roquan is he's going to be getting paid soon because like we said the fact that we brought in Fields it was the perfect time because next year there's a lot of money going off the books and the Bears are going to have a lot of cap space now a good amount of that will go towards Roquan but you have to just remember is the draft isn't just round one and round two. I I keep going back to one of the better teams, I think, in recent years. Obviously, look, we can talk about the Patriots, but one of the most, I think, I think well-rounded assembled teams was the Seattle Seahawks for those times. And the amounts of those players that came in the fifth, sixth, seventh round and made an impact. 
And that's what you want. You want those late round picks. And it's one of the reasons why I don't like when we constantly are trading it for for nothing. So like when we trade a fourth round pick for Nick Foles, like there was no reason to have to do that. There was plenty of quarterbacks that were going to be average that you could have brought in. And, and that's the one downside I think it pays. I'm all for when he's in the draft and there's a guy he targets because he really wants him and you move up. Because I'd rather that happen than have the Phil Emery situation where you've zeroed in on Aaron Donald for the entire draft process and then miss him by one pick. Like that's that's basically what you want. Like like Skoke says here, yeah, getting a fifth round for Anthony Miller was was brilliant. And I don't think many people thought that was gonna be the case. They thought it was gonna be very difficult, but you just have to look at the rookies from this year. They the majority of them, you can see I guess where they're gonna fit in. So obviously Justin Fields eventually will be the starter at the QB position. We don't know when that will be. Obviously, there's all the question marks around Tevin Jenkins, but you'll have to look at Larry Borman. A lot of people are very positive, and I didn't expect this. We, we've we said this for a while, and, and Corey, I bring you in on this one. A lot of us said early on that we expected Borman probably to be that kind of swing tackle in this rookie year, and then maybe next year kind of fight for a position. The fact that I guess the coaching staff seems to be so high in him, could this be a reason why we're not actually seeing a veteran tackle being brought in because they want to actually give him the chance. Cause look, he's going to be back soon. He got a concussion. He's probably just waiting it out now because there's a certain amount of days you have to wait before you're allowed to come back and do any sort of activity. So do you think just the fact that he impressed early on is maybe making the coaching staff wait a little bit before bringing a veteran in? Yeah, I think that that's absolutely a, a viable opinion you know they they signed um gage Sir servenka servenka um you know to add a little bit more depth but i think that's mostly for a camp body to to take a lot of the reps off the the poor offensive linemen that are still standing and <laughs> taking all of the reps um so i i think that you know juan castillo has been very vocal about how much he likes Borum as a player, as, you know, just his raw athleticness um, or athletic ability. So, and I think, you know, he seems like he has the kind of personality that he recognizes this, this, and I mean, all the guys too, you know, when, when you see an opportunity arising, you are going to take every single action that you can to step up, rise to the occasion and make a claim, make a, make a claim for yourself. Right. And I think that's exactly what we've seen Larry Borum do. And I think, you know, if, if they see what they want to see out of him, you know, and they, with all intents and purposes, they, they drafted him to replace Jermaine Effetti. And if, you know, if he's outplaying Effetti and we don't even know when Effetti is going to be back. Right. Then I think it's completely conceivable that they're, they're, playing it a little bit safe right now and really liking what they're seeing out of him. It's so typical Ryan Pace that he picks two offensive tackles, one in the second round and one in the fifth round. The fifth round pick is the one that may actually make the field and the second round pick doesn't. It's, it, it is so funny. But the last question on the O-line, so we have one or two other topics to get to before we finish up. But there's a good question here, Anthony, from Chad. Um, and it says, how confident do we feel about Sam Mustafer? Yeah, he got Rashad Coward off the field, but is that enough? Look, I think I think anybody who get Rashad Coward off the field, he had a terrible 
season last year. There's a lot of there was a tweet that went out that said kind of Charles Leno was the second best in terms of pass protection, but then you just go back and look at that O line from from last year and it, it wouldn't take too much from doing that. But look, how confident do you feel about Sam Osterer? We've look, I know there's been some beat reporters that have had some very positive things. I know I can't remember if it was Adam Hogg or Adam Johns that said that he seemed to play quite well, that he's he's bulked up, which I feel like the one thing we're hearing from a lot of these guys, even with Larry Borum as well, is how he changed his body. And if that shows, I guess, how willing these guys are to improve themselves. Yeah, 100%. I think, I think it's, it's a, it is a very good question, Sam Mustafer, because we don't really know. We, we only have a, a gauge of around eight, six to eight games. But what I will say about him is I feel a little sorry for him that Daniels is injured. Because that's the chemistry I'm talking about, which you got white hair Daniels and him and getting used to their feet movement and getting used to which way they're going, especially if we want to want to run the damn ball, as I say all the time. We want to find those guys to get those that chemistry going together. In saying that, isn't it really good that you've seen Sam Mustafer come in as an undrafted free agent and seem to make the play make the squad his own, and not just make the squad, but make the position his own. And, and he's really kind of cemented that in that small window. So, yeah, I, I'm, he's one of the guys I wanted to keep an eye on in the first four or five games of the season because I think that's really important that we, that we keep that together. If we have a scenario where Whitehair, Daniels and Mustafa are locks and our locks going on for the whole season, then, wow, it, it makes ourselves so much more solid and much more confident about the O-line. Um, it is a very good question, though. It is really is because Mustafa, I hope, because everything that says, as Berlin Report says, I hope we can bet on him, but but we have a small window from what we've seen of him, and I, I just I'm just very hopeful that it'll be even more. I just like that he seems like he's an angry and aggressive O line, and he's the type of guy that if anybody hits Justin feels late, that he's gonna be the first one in and jump on you. Wasn't he the guy that, that wasn't there? One of the wide receivers, wasn't it? Mooney got done and he was the first guy over there to do to have a go at your man. Yeah, see, I'm, I'm all for that. That is way high on my list of of, uh, of supporting things. If, if your centre could be the first guy to, to hit the guy to hit your wide receiver, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Look, guys, everybody that's, that's in the comments, make sure that you hit a like on the video. Again, try and get up as much as we can. Um, also, if you're not subscribed, make sure you do subscribe if you are here for the first time. There's a few new kind of names that I'm noticing in the chat. It's it's great to have you guys in. Make sure that you do kind of keep those questions coming in. We'll be live for probably another five or ten minutes and and then we'll we'll head. But look, it's it's definitely an interesting one when we talk about kind of the takeaways from, from camp. And one of the things I wanted to bring up was this idea of having these joint practices because that's all we've been hearing about really this week, Corey, and how important that they are because it means that the players aren't constantly beating each other up and that you can kind of go at another team. So how important do you think these are for them? Because we keep talking about how like you don't want your team kind of beating each other up and you'd rather see – and you want to like have – a test against another team. Like I was excited to see how Justin Fields did because I want to see how does he do against a defense he doesn't know. Because after a certain amount of time, the quarterbacks are going to know what these calls are from the defense when you go up against them every single day. 
Well, that's exactly it. You never want to get complacent, you know, and that's when you start to get really familiar with each other, that's, you know, you want to keep that energy up and that, and these are very competitive players. So I think, you know, from a coaching perspective to be able to, especially in, <laughs> yes, <laughs> uh, you know, especially in this point in time to, um, you know, do things that you wouldn't maybe do in a regular game situation just to try them out, you know, Hey, let's run this play, see how it goes. Okay. That really didn't work. Let's, you know, make a mention of that. What kind of defense are they running? You know, and just having a complete meeting of the minds in order to, you know, cause we don't see the dolphins that often. So to, to really have a friendly in terms of let's, let's get as much advantage on both sides of the ball out of this. You know, I think that it's, it's invaluable from a coaching perspective. And then from a player perspective to just be able to have real competitiveness, you know, real hitting and to bring that kind of fun back into the practices, you know, that, that game-like atmosphere, I think is priceless for these guys. And I, I think that it's, it's something that it's, it's that intangible thing, right? You know, it, it's like the feeling we have this week because it's game week, you know, for them to be going, you know, day in, day out, seeing the same faces, seeing the same plays over and over again, just to have that little bit of variety. I think that brings out that spark, that competitiveness again, you know, or even to a, a, a better, higher level. So I, I love that, you know, not only are they having, you know, the Dolphins in preseason, but they had this whole setup with, you know, to include them in the training camp. I think it's it's just smart on all sides of the ball. Yeah, absolutely. It's I always enjoy it when we get to go up against kind of another team. There's been a couple of really good comments again. Some people saying it's the first time following along. Really good. It's good to kind of see you. A lot of good questions in that you've put in, Chad. Um Guys, again, we'll be on for probably five more minutes. So if you have any other questions that you want to, if you want us to kind of talk about, make sure that you do spread the word about the show as well. Because again, the more people that gets involved, the more content that we can put out for you guys as well. So make sure that you do share it as well. And if you're not subscribed, make sure you do subscribe over onto YouTube. Um, but look, one thing that I wanted to kind of finish on, Anthony, um, it's been, it's just because it's been a big topic, I guess, on Twitter. And I think it was more the way it was written rather than what actually happened. It's the whole thing about Mitch Trubisky. I knew you were going to say his name. Yeah. News. Because, look, we, we had to bitch about Nick Foles on Saturday. So, <laughs> we, look, it's I think it's important because there's two sides to this. And number one is even, like, even after people explaining exactly what he said, there's still more people that are putting out articles that are still saying <laughs> that are still saying like that it was kind of a slight on the bears when you actually, when you do go and actually listen to the whole thing, I think he was just, he was just trying to say that he's trying to move on from the next chapter and he didn't really want to bring it up, but you know what it's like in when there's interviews like that, people keep bringing up kind of old times and basically look, it's to get clicks and to get kind of people, kind of being mad and talking about like the amount of people even look it happened a day ago and I'm still seeing people that are kind of going crazy and look I get it when it when the first time the I think the story came out first before the interview was actually released or before the video came out and 
rightly so, some some fans can be angry. But then a day later, and there's still people saying, it, I, I, I just don't get it, especially when the Bears have clearly moved on. Look, I think a lot of people will feel better when Nick Foles is also out of out of Hollis Hall because then you can completely clear it. And look, before before you go on, there's there's been a, a couple of even comments on this from, from our friend Dan as well over the Three Kings podcast as well. Look, Mitch shared himself. He did not shade the Bears. That's very, very important. Um, people overreacted. I don't think he said anything mean. Dave saying Mitch has left. He has to blow smoke up the arse of Bills fans. That's, that is true. Look, it's it's definitely important. I guess one thing that I wanted to I wanted to say to you before I, I let you answer in this one, Anthony, was there's still a lot of people, and I was surprised there's still a lot of Mitch Trubisky fans or truthers out there where they still want to say that it's all down to Matt Nagy or the offensive line as well. I think can we not just compare fans and not just take it to what it was that okay, I don't I've always said something that Kyle Long said always stuck out to me that Mitch Trubisky may have been ready for the NFL, but the Bears weren't ready for him. And you're starting to see, that's why I always said this year was perfect for bringing in Justin Fields. But we've also seen, we know the faults that Trubisky has. And it's it's no slight. It's just what we've seen from watching the guy for four years, that he misses open receivers. It seems like a struggle to throw it long. Like that's the one thing that we've heard about Justin Fields is it's very natural. Like that ball just goes that it was never like that for, for Mitch. So I guess in all compassing all of that, what was your opinion? I guess maybe an hour or two after everything kind of came out, because I know the first reaction from most people was saying like, what the hell is he saying here? But then obviously when the video started to surface, I think people kind of pulled back a little bit. Yeah. I just like, I think I said this in Twitter and I was like, look, I wish nothing for the, but the best for Mr. Whiskey. He, he did. And Corey said this brilliantly in the last episode. He did not slight the bears when he was here. He was professional when he left the place. And it's like, why are we still talking about him? Like we have fully moved on. I know the show, look, I'm delighted. It's an hour into the show and we've waited to do it till then, but it's like, we fully moved on. We've got, in my opinion, two better fits for Chicago bears in the quarterback position right now. Notice I said two and not three. Um, and it's, it's, it's time for him. Look, he was in a no-win situation when he gets asked that question. He can't win when he says that. So I feel for the guy. He Dave rightly says that Dan said it right as well, but Dave rightly said that he has to give something to the Bills fans because he wants to stick around in, in, in Buffalo. Um, so I, I get that. But can we all just move on? Look, Mitch Trubisky, lovely guy, nice guy, just... Yeah, he, and it as well. And this is what I want, the same thing with Anthony Miller. It's the exact same conversation in my head. If he goes and balls out in Buffalo or wherever else he goes, that doesn't mean it was the wrong thing for Chicago to let him go. It's the exact same as Anthony Miller. It's just, we aren't the right team for Mitch Trubisky. We aren't the right team for Anthony Miller. I wish both of them the very best where they go, but we need to start moving forward, lads. Why are we still looking backwards? Because if we're going to look backwards, we might as well go all the way back to the fridge and back to like McMahon and why didn't we keep him and all this kind of stuff. What's the point? We are looking forward with our franchise quarterback, potentially, hopefully our franchise quarterback for 15 years. 
And that should be our conversation. Anything else about Mitch, it should be like, yeah, thanks again, man. All the very best. All the very best. Good luck. And he comes here. And like, it's going to be the same again. He comes here in a couple of weeks' time and he's going to be at Buffalo. And he's, he chose four touchdowns, for example. Let's say he does. You're going to have people on Twitter going, that's the reason why we should have kept that. It's, a, it's bullshit. It's, 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 it it's, just, it's, it's bullshit. I'm sorry. I'm going to say it. It's, it's just, I, I, I find it frustrating. We are all together on one thing to try and go one direction with the Chicago Bears, and we finally have it. We have our QB, and now we're getting back into the into the weeds where we got you either love Mitch or you hate him. Why do you yeah. care? Yeah, look, there's a great comment from one of the guys that again, just to kind of plug it a little bit, that is in our uh, fantasy football league as well. He he was one of the lucky ones that was chosen. Um, but yeah, this is actually encapsulates everything that I kind of think is that Mitch wanted to be really great. He put in the work, but the problem is if you don't, you get found out in the NFL very quickly. If you don't have that elite talent at the quarterback position. And unfortunately he, he didn't, you, he, you have to set your offense in a certain way for Trubisky to be successful. But the problem is to do that. You have to split the field in half. You have to get your quarterback on the run. And against a good defense, you're not going to get anywhere doing that. And that's that's the problem right now. I completely agree with you, Anthony. And the problem that we're going to see is this is only from him speaking or talking about one question. It's going to get ramped up in week two of the preseason when you know it's going to be Mitch Trubisky against Justin Fields for part of that game. And people are going to go crazy. And you have to remember, like, both players are going to be going up against the backups and they're going to be going up against kind of corners. Like we talk about our corners and our DBs right now in terms of our starters and we're worried. Like what's it going to be like when you're going up against the backups? And you also have to remember, Trubisky knows all of them. Well, the majority of them anyway. He knows their tendencies. So it's not going to be the hard look. It's preseason. The guys aren't going full speed anyway. The the rookies and guys that are trying to make a roster will. But the rest of them know it's preseason. We just... We just need to get some plays under our belt, get some conditioning, and and that's pretty much it. But look, guys, if if you guys are interested in Mitch Trubisky and what more what want more of this, we will have a Bills reporter kind of joining us. I think it's going to be the Thursday before the game. So again, make sure that you do check that out because again, we will be doing a lot of kind of the previews post games. Um, and then during the season, we will have a couple of live streams during the games as well. So you can get kind of some of the funny reactions that we will have. We do have a show on Friday, Friday night, where we will have a one or two Dolphins fans on with us as well, kind of previewing the game, also kind of recapping all the joint practices because we've only got the first one today and most of it was nobody really could tell anything because it was rained out and they all went inside and, the Bears, like the Bears do, don't allow any of the media to tweet about anything that's going on. But that that's another story for another day. So we will have that. We will be live directly after the game on Saturday as well. So, again, make sure that you're in the comments. If you have any thoughts, make sure you put them in because we will be there. We will be there to take your comments. Again, make sure that you do like the video. Make sure that you do subscribe to the channel because, again, we have so much more kind of coming out. It's a, uh, it's, it's very uh, funny. A couple of, couple of good comments here to kind of finish off the video. So bear down for, <laughs> but Drew Brees did it, and so will Mitch. Yeah, I think that's what Ryan Pace was saying. They probably both drove their Camrys to wherever they, uh, to wherever they were going. Um, 
again we have kind of close practice yeah, look oh this is the last thing i'm gonna get each of your opinions on this because it's something that pissed me off today because you have another team coming in and you're actually telling another team's reporters that they can't tweet out anything about practice like you're not hiding anything. When's the last time the Bears won a Super Bowl or has been to a Super Bowl or has made a playoff run? Like it, It's ridiculous that we are still at the point of where the Bears are trying to hide everything. Like You're not even doing everything in, in practice anyway. Like Make some part of practice where the media are allowed to tweet stuff out. You don't want the entire thing. But it just seems... I think it shows more when another team's media members come in and they're shocked by the way it's done because they were surprised that they were told not to be able to tweet the stuff out and i know there was one or two dolphin reporters that uh <laughs> that did tweet a couple things out so uh that was always good especially towards the end but look what chad says here so even the dolphin reporters couldn't believe it like it just goes to show i guess how they have their head in the sand about this. Um, Corey, I'll go to you first. Kind of, What's your opinion when you, when you saw this today? Because I was kind of shocked that they weren't allowed to tweet anything out. Yeah, I was pretty shocked at that too. I mean, we're so used to having the, you know, you, you can't record, you can't do any videos. Um, and then I, from what I can understand, it was specifically that they moved inside. That That was the reason. And I'm like, what does that have anything to do with it? You know, and like you said, I mean, it's one thing to have this like fantastic offensive mind and scheme and, you know, like, I guess like a Bill Belichick kind of thing where we don't want to give our trade secrets away, but we haven't done that. We haven't proven that we do that right so it just kind of makes me chuckle because it's exactly what you said like what are we hiding and i think we talked about it last week that that the fans are absolutely starved for some kind of anything you know i we still where is that second episode or third episode of 1920 football drive like come Next on year. what is going on we're not getting anything out of these guys i mean i guess they have a good reason for it but from a, a standpoint a fan point of view and you know like season ticket holders you come on we we are paying good money for you know whatever we are uh, contributing to the the bears fandom i think that maybe you could allow a little tweet from dolphins reporters in your training camp like it's just ridiculous it's can, ridiculous. can i can i follow up straight on that because i love when Corey gets into this because it gets me into what i'm going to be saying next <laughs> is genuine i mean this genuinely the last 18 months for people has been terrible with the covid pandemic going around the place it's been absolutely shocking for people people have been getting impacted left right and center and chicago bears have a have a requirement to their supporters to assist them in that scenario and by sending out one minute 19 videos and blocking off training camp because, oh, we might find out that Cole Komet actually runs a different route this week is absolute rubbish. It's a disgrace. And I've said it for this, my third rant in a, re, in a row on this. This is It's a disgrace what they're doing to their supporter base. They don't care about their supporter base. They don't care what we think. And Karen, your point is 100% correct. We have won nothing. What are we holding back for? Just give us the information. 
Do you not think that we're going to go to A-Rob on our first shot? Do you not think we're going to try and go to Jimmy Graham in the red zone? Anyone can tell you that. It's it's what are they holding back and why? And it's just and it's 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 getting beyond a bit of a joke and fun now, and it's just getting embarrassing. I was embarrassed when I saw the Miami Dolphins beat reporters tweeting out what they were tweeting. It was embarrassing. And then like the, the jokes at some of the Chicago guys where they where they draw it as a cartoon and tweet that out. Like whoever whoever came up with that first is a genius, by the way. That's a smart idea, but that shows the, the pettiness of it and, the, and, the, and the, just the pure and utter stupidity of it. I, I find those drawings very, very amusing and very, very <laughs> funny because most of them were Mitch Trubisky or Nick Foles or maybe it was Chase Daniel when I first started throwing an interception to someone. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I tended to be. But, like, I don't get it. It's, look, if you're going to stop the media members from doing it, I don't get how they should be allowed to stop fans from recording videos and doing that, like, it, I, I find that's ridiculous. And then you have NFL Network that can come up and show parts of practice. So it just goes to show that it is all just for money and it's not that they actually care. Because like the fan base, like before, we should be able to. Like The one time I can see the Bears actually trick the team with something where it came from training camp was the week one game against the Atlanta Falcons when – Nobody knew what Tariq Cohn was going to be. And he was their, I guess, gadget player there. And he nearly won them the game because they Atlanta had no idea how to deal with him. But everything else we've seen since then is pretty expected in terms of offense and defense. There hasn't been there hasn't been anything kind of crazy. Yeah, look what, what Chad is saying. Recipe for success, get Corey and Anthony wound up. <laughs> that, yes, Corey, yes. What, what, what did you think of what did you think of his doing, Chad? Like, exactly. <laughs> that, that, was, that was the whole point. Yeah, Chad, Chad, he hasn't mentioned Daz isn't going to make the 53 yet. That's the one that'll knock me fully over the edge once he gets to that point. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to say in this one, Skokes, you better be you better watch out because they might Twitter ban you or something if you post that. So, <laughs> a seven second clip. <laughs> Like it, it, look, it is. We're trying to do this as kind of a little bit of a joke, but it's actually a little bit serious as well. It's like at some points in time, you have to give your fans something. One thing that you mentioned, Anthony, I think is perfect. Like, look at the two years we've come under now. Like, we went a whole season without anybody being able to go to a game. First time fans get to go and see their team in, in Hallis Hall and whatever it is, 12 to 15 months. And they can't even take a video and and post it. Like it makes absolutely no no sense. But look, it's it's one of those things, guys. Make sure that you again, like I said, make sure you like the video. Make sure that you do subscribe. Share it with your friends. Share it with anybody over on social media. It helps us kind of grow and get you guys the content that you want. So make sure that you do that. Um, again, we will be back live on Friday. Same time as today, so make sure that you do stay with us again. We'll have a couple of other guests that will be kind of coming in and out from Friday and Saturday. You'll get most of all of our normal hosts next week again, but do make sure that you check us out. Make sure you hit the notification bell as well because there's been a couple of people in the chat over the recent times that have said they missed certain episodes, so make sure you do get those notifications. Make sure you follow each one of us. You can follow the the podcast account there you can see under my name so the irish bear show make sure you follow anthony at bears cork and Corey at bdr Corey. again 
Corey, you, she does a lot of good riding as well. So make sure that you check her stuff out. And look, until Friday, make sure you do join us. But until then, all we can say is bear down. Bear down. Bear down. Bear down.